Welcome to Canada's National Bible Hour. This is Brian Albrecht, your host and president of Mission Go. Today our scripture is taken from the book of Colossians chapter 1, verse 13, which says, Who has delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son. This is a wonderful scripture that has quite a contrast between those of us who are being saved and those who are lost. We've been delivered from the power of darkness. We've been delivered from evil. We've been delivered from Satan's control in our life. And we've been transformed by the blood of Christ and the work that he did on the cross into his own kingdom. It's a wonderful transition that takes place in this verse, that those who are lost can be found, that there's a second power, a more powerful power, the Holy Spirit and God the Father drawing people to himself and God the Son doing the work of redemption on the cross of Calvary and shedding his own blood and paying for the debts for our sins and the power of his love as it comes into a person's life and it transforms them and draws them and they say yes to the Holy Spirit and they become believers in Jesus Christ. What a great transition takes place when a person is born again. This is a radio edition of Global Times. Today we have in our studio Jacob and Sharon Severage. Uh, Sharon, as we mentioned, is a daughter 
of one of our long-term missionaries with Global Outreach Mission, who also was trained at uh, Prairie Bible Institute. They're doing a great church planning ministry in India. They work at the Olive Garden Children's Home at present, and Jacob has been in the ministry for over 12 years and as a pastor for over seven years. He is still a very young man and has shared his passion about church planning, and along the way, I ask how they met. And as you know, in India, they have arranged marriages. Jacob, and you said that uh, you asked your pastor to help in arranging this marriage? Uh, yeah, very true, because my parents were uh, looking a girl for me who was uh, not believing in Jesus because they uh, they wanted to see a rich girl for me, where which, which uh, to my father, uh, that was right. Uh, but for me, I'm, I was looking for a girl who is spiritual and uh, who, who loved Jesus and who can help me in the ministry. Wow, what a testimony. Your parents wanted somebody rich. I think all parents want somebody rich. <laughs> but you as a young man had enough wisdom to know that you wanted a wife who would help you in the ministry and help you become a man of God. What a great goal, and we're so thankful that you and Sharon got together, and God is blessing you together as missionaries. And you shared your passion to church plan in areas that are more remote in India, and you've met many pastors who are already doing that with Global Outreach Mission. Raja Severaj was your dad, Sharon. I know that he found Jacob to be a young man who wants to serve God and wants you to marry him, so your dad was very positive towards the marriage as well. How does that feel for a young Indian woman? Well, um, I suppose I was of the same mind as my husband before we had we before we were married. Um, I knew that the Lord had called me to India, and I knew that I knew that I was to um, help out with the children's ministry. And in my heart, I uh, this was my prayer and a desire, a real longing in my heart was God provide me with somebody who can understand what it means to work with children and who can understand what it means to work for you. And when I met, or, or rather when I had heard about um, Jacob uh, and my dad had told me about him and some of his past, I, I just committed to God and I said, Lord, if this is your will and if this is what you want, then I'm up for it. I think a lot of people in North America who are not used to having arranged marriage would look at that and say, that's a bad thing. But yet in your eyes, it was a tremendous act of faith because you were both praying for spouses that would help you fulfill God's purposes for you on earth. And that is such a tremendous testimony. So you did get married, and you also have a little girl, Ella, and she is such a sweetheart. And now you are ministering together. Assuming some responsibilities at the Olive Garden Children's Home, tell us about this ministry at the Olive Garden. Okay, so we have um, uh, 50 girls um, who are, are staying at our children's home and about 22 boys who are staying at our boys' um, home. And so that's altogether 72 children that we, that we work with. And most of them come from broken homes or, and very poor backgrounds, so their parents can't afford them uh, their schooling or can't afford them a good living condition, living home, uh, and meals and things like that. So your part in your ministry then is offering to these children a place to live, sleep, and get an education, but also a hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. Yes, that is very true. That is definitely something we are focusing on um, and wanting them to 
um, be comfortable just being a child because most children in India they don't they're not able to just be a child they have to be so grown up they have to understand all these different um, situations and how to get through life but but in the end of it they don't they can't enjoy their childhood and so we really want them to be able to just be a child and enjoy that when they're with us here at the home and also to learn that there's someone like Jesus who love them and take care of them and their future. Praise the Lord for your lives and for your ministry and for your testimony and how you came to Christ and how you got married. Thank you for sharing all these wonderful things that God has done in your life. And I just want to commend you for the faith that you have and the trust that you have and the way that God has led you throughout your your lives. And I would ask many of our listeners to be in prayer for Jacob and Sharon Severaj in southern India. Thank you again, and God bless you in a mighty way. Thank you so much for listening to Canada's National Bible Hour. As you're aware, this is a listener-supported program. This month, we're offering a wonderful uh, booklet. It's entitled The Critical Spirit. At the root of a critical spirit often lie insecurities, selfish interests, and an unrenewed mind. For some, critical attitudes are caught from a home life where, where criticism abounds. Let's see one another as the Lord sees us through the compassionate eyes of Jesus Christ. I'm sure if you order to get this booklet, remember to order your copy. Please write to Canada's National Bible Hour, Box 1210, St. Catharines, Ontario, L2R 7A7, or in the United States at Box 2010. Buffalo, New York, 14231. Jesus saves. 
No longer is Jesus important to them, for they need their time to play. Frozen cold, they let souls go to hell. They feel no burden. Today's message is from Dr. Fred Hartman as he continues his series in Revelation. I know that you enjoy this message very much. Printed copies are available upon request. For some time, we have been speaking on the subject of whether or not we are close to the end-time events as recorded in the Bible. Continuing this theme, I'd like to consider the rise of apostasy in today's world. We need to determine if such a thing will occur just prior to the end-time events. To do this, we must look at what the Scripture says. In 1 Timothy 4, 1-6, let's see what the Apostle Paul has to say. Now the Spirit expressly says that in the latter time some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons, speaking lies in hypocrisy, having their own consciences sealed with a hot iron, forbidding to marry, and commanding to abstain from foods which God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. For every creature of God is good, and nothing is to be refused if it is to be received with thanksgiving, for it is sanctified by the sword, by the word of God and prayer. If you instruct the brethren in these things, you will be a good minister of Jesus Christ, nourished in the words of faith and of the good doctrine which you have carefully followed. So many have turned away from the clear statements in the Bible. On the other hand, today's society is rapidly turning from absolutes to what they think about something. Today, many people might go to church, have been baptized, and even be a member, but have apostatized because they have turned away from the truth, which is an absolute that has not, nor will it ever change. In John 6, 63-71, Jesus spoke to the issue of some being among the disciples who outwardly appeared to be true followers of him, but were not. It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh promises nothing. The words that I speak to you are spirit, and they are life. But there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were who did not believe, and who would betray him. Jesus answered them, Did I not choose you, the twelve, and one of you is a devil? He spoke of Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon, for it was he who would betray him, being one of the twelve. From this brief passage of Scripture, we can clearly see that Jesus had one among the twelve who heard the truth, saw that Jesus had performed the miracles, and he heard him proclaim he was the Son of God but turned away from the truth. He even went so far as to betray our Lord. 
Now, if Jesus had an apostate in that small group of disciples, we would expect there would be some among us like that today. Paul warned Timothy that the number would greatly increase as we approach the end times. It is sad to say, but there are many churches and individuals who attend who have turned away from the truths of the Word of God. I read of one pastor who believes that 50% of all who attend church do not know the Lord. The late Dr. D. James Kennedy, a well-known pastor in Florida, in his biography claimed that 80% of church attenders in America do not know the Lord. I was raised in a church that had rejected the Word of God as authoritative. Because of that, I never even heard the true gospel message until I was 15 years old. Soon after that, I received Christ as my Savior at 17. I left that church for one that preached the gospel and stood firmly on the Bible as the inerrant Word of God. Let me just give you one example of a denominational pastor of a large church in America. He says he sees himself as a progressive-minded pastor who wants to see his kind of non-doctrinal Christianity given validity in some way. He acknowledges he is more of a pantheist than a theist and thinks that many more of the more educated members of his church hold the same liberal beliefs as his own. And those beliefs or unbeliefs are stated clearly. Quote, I reject the virgin birth. I reject the substitutionary atonement. I reject the divinity of Jesus. I reject heaven and hell in the traditional sense. And I am not alone. Amazingly, this pastor is candid about the fact that he remains in the ministry, largely for financial reasons. It is how he provides for his family. If he openly espoused his beliefs, quote, I may be burning bridges in terms of my ability to earn a living this way. While there are many faithful pastors, there are quite a few who take the same or similar position like the one we just have mentioned. It is also clear that there are many parishioners who have done the same thing. Apostasy is growing by leaps and bounds as the last days are approaching. Titus 1, 15 and 16 takes us another step forward regarding apostasy and the ones who are apostate. Quote, To the pure, all things are pure. But to those who are defiled and unbelieving, nothing is pure, but even their mind and consciences are defiled. They profess to know God, but in works they deny him, being abominable, disobedient, and disqualified for every good work. There are many who claim to be Christians who worship the Lord with their lips but not their lives. You see very little or even no difference in their lives. 
than the lives of those who do not make any claims of being a believer. They go the same places, they do the same things, and even have the same habits as the unbeliever. In other words, their lives do not back up what they say. Jesus had something to say about that in Matthew seven twenty-one to 23. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name and done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. There are a lot of people in churches today who make claims to be a Christian, but their lives do not prove it. I found an illustration some time ago about a new pastor who came to a church in a small town and spent his first days calling on all the church members, begging them to come back to church for his first services. Result, no one came. So he decided to put an ad in the local newspaper stating that the church was dead, and it was his duty to give a funeral service the following Sunday. This aroused the curiosity of the whole town, and everyone showed up. When they arrived, they saw a casket covered with flowers at the front of the church. After the minister read the obituary and delivered the eulogy, he invited the congregation to come forward and pay their respects to the dearly departed. Without a moment of hesitation, a long line formed because each person couldn't wait to see what in the world was in the coffin. As soon as each person peeped into the coffin, a strange thing happened. Each one broke out in tears and walked away with a guilty look on their face. The minister had placed a large mirror inside the coffin, and when they looked in, they saw an image of themselves. I use this illustration because it would be great to place a mirror inside of every church for us to see if we're totally giving ourselves to the Lord using our time, treasures, and talent to honor Him in every area of our lives? Or are we playing church, having only a head knowledge of Christ and not a real daily relationship with Him? Maybe you're just playing church. If that is you, maybe a day Jesus will say to you, Depart from me, for I never knew you. I could continue and give you many more details about so-called Christian groups that are only leading people astray. They're the feel-good churches that seek to lift you up. They're the emotional churches that are designed to lift you up emotionally. Then they're the healthy, wealthy, and wise churches. These often promise that if you give so much, you will have a lot of money. 
In some cases, the only one who gets wealthy is the pastor and maybe his staff. I just read of a famous televangelist who spent $2,000 for one night in a hotel, and his food bill for one meal came to over $1,700. There are also some who will send you a healing cloth if you send them money. To listen to what one well-known televangelist claimed, sickness does not belong to you. It has no part in the body of Christ. Sickness does not belong to any of us. The Bible declares, if the word of God is our life, there will be health, there will be healing, divine healing, and healing from the Lord. There will be no sickness for the saint of God. That means not even a headache, sinus problem, not even a toothache, nothing. No sickness should come your way, unquote. I suppose then that anyone who has ever gotten sick and died is not a believer. That would mean everyone who has ever lived and died. Then there's the emerging church movement, the seeker-friendly movement. Here's even a, there's even a drive-through church where you drive up, get a five-minute message, and you are on your way. It breaks my heart to say this, but there's even a porn church in Tennessee. My friend, God knew exactly what would take place just prior to the end-time events. We're seeing apostasy just like the Bible promises. It is gaining ground so rapidly it is hard to keep up with it. Please examine your heart to make sure you're not a part of this movement. You may have to do what I did many years ago. Leave a church that no longer takes a strong stand on the gospel and the word of God. Then we must take our stand for what is right, no matter what the cost. There are a lot of people who stay with and in apostate ministries just because of family or friends. May I remind you that one day we will have to stand for the Lord and give an account of what we have done with our lives. I only want to hear two words. Well done. I ask you this question. What will Jesus say to you? I trust the message you just heard was a great blessing to you and uh, maybe we'll be able to minister to you in a spiritual way. Here at uh, Canada's National Bible Hour, we have great concern about those who hear our broadcasts but don't know Jesus Christ personally. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but through me. These are truths from the Word of God. All of us are sinners. All of us need a Savior. All of us have done things we're ashamed of. All of us have done things that are wrong, and we know it. But our sins can be forgiven 
when we receive Jesus Christ as our personal Savior. Your prayers and gifts will be much appreciated. You can also get a free copy of our booklet entitled Critical Spirit by writing Canada's National Bible Hour, Box 1210, St. Catharines, Ontario, L2R7A7, or in the United States at Box 2010, Buffalo, New York, 14231. And don't forget to visit our website where you can hear past messages of Canada's National Bible Hour. We also have a new radio broadcast that's 24-7. It's an internet uh, broadcast that you can go on our website, www.missiongo-radio.org slash radio. And you can listen to not only past messages on Canada's National Bible Hour, but good Christian music, as well as other Christian messages who can share Bible doctrine with you each day. We also ask that you continue to please remember us in your prayers, and we trust the Lord will continue to bless you throughout this next week.